The best insight. Instant feedback. Accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Just six minutes after 10 o'clock. Welcome to the second hour inside of Human Impact. And we go directly to our second feature this morning with Jody White and Agribusiness Innovations. Good morning to you and your panel. Good morning, Trinidad and Tobago. Welcome to another installment of Agribusiness Innovation here on Freedom 106.5 FM. Now, we had a couple of guests on the show about two weeks ago, and we introduced the concept of the Youth in Agriculture program that is being done by the ministry. And we had so many requests for information coming out afterwards. We thought that we'd bring them back on to go a little bit more in-depth on the program. So with us, we have several members uh, from the team who would be able to give the listeners more information and your calls would also be open if you have any questions and would like to, you know, get them answered, whether it's for a family member or whoever it is, because these programs are be very beneficial to those, you know, in the national public. So I have with me here, Miss. Raquel Bissoul. Miss Raquel, are you here with us? Great. Miss Bissoul, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. And Good morning, Judy. Yes, I am. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Great. So tell us a little bit more about the role that you function in the ministry. Uh, Miss Beach, welcome. I see you've just joined us as well. Thank you for being here with us. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having us this morning, Judy. So, Miss Beach, tell us a little bit more about this agricultural program for youth that exists. So, the Youth Agricultural Homestead Program is a program designed to create young agri entrepreneurs um, within the Trinidad agricultural economic sector. We have a two-year program that, that comprises a training at the University of Trinidad and Tobago. They will be trained in for, with a certificate in agriculture and agro-processing technologies. They will also receive training from NEDCO on entrepreneurial development and NAMDEVCO on good agricultural practices, as well as packing house training. When they have completed this training, they will receive two acres of land, a home on the land as well, as well as a $20,000 grant from NEDCO. Wait, so they get a home on the land itself too? Home on the land, a starter home as oh, wow. well, so that they can live and work on the land. All right, here's my question. Yes. Why is this program specified for the youth what was the need that was identified so we would have realized that we have an aging i mean you i'm sure are well aware that we have an aging population farmer population and the youth right now encompass almost 500,000 of our population of 1.4 million as those under the age of 35. so it was actually essential to target young people mainly because of the distribution 
and because they as well would have the willpower and strength um, so to say to carry on or to boost our economy so this program does it teach specifically how to grow certain crops or is it something that you're teaching them a wide variety of agricultural skills and then they decide what they want to get into it's a wide variety of agricultural skills and practices, modern agricultural skills and practices. They, um, they are not only learning about growing crops, they're also learning about techniques in agro-processing, environmental um, techniques to com combat climate change as well. So it's a wide range and then they will decide. We have a number of young people involved who who have varied interests. Some people are involved in, um, interested in, in beekeeping, honey production. Some are interested in composting. Some, it's, it's a wide variety. So they, they are given that opportunity to explore their options. So it's that everybody gets to do all the fields. So if it's not involved in this program, you, you get experience the beekeeping, you get exposed to root crops, you get exposed to, I don't know, growing seasons. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. That is what the, the UTT, the AKF campus at UTT, they have some experienced and quite knowledgeable lecturers who are giving these students a, a great exposure of um, to a varied elements of agriculture. They are also the first cohort who would have started in June 2022. They are now at, at their second year where they are um, engaged in an internship on several farms throughout Trinidad and Tobago based on their areas of interest. So we have some students who are interested in mushroom farming, um, just hydroponics, etc. So they are placed there and they are learning quite a bit as well. So what is the age group of the participants for this? 18 to 35 years. Now, is there something that exists? I know we're talking about youth. Is yes. there anything that exists that in the world for people who are older, who want to get into agriculture? I know I'll strain off the topic a little bit. So I know that there are several programs that the Ministry of Agriculture, Land and Fisheries is engaged in for agriculture on um, the ETIS division. They as well have a plethora of programs that are designed to assist those above the age of 35 or anybody in any area um, become skilled in the field of agriculture and in different, several, a wide variety of areas as well. Well, I guess you're right because you know what? I forgot. I actually did a course with them uh, in sweet potato production to get a certificate. Yes. So you are right. There are different programs that exist there. Yes, there are. Yes. But what would have happened is those under the age of 35, we have found they are interested, but they don't necessarily have the resources available to them to get involved in agriculture. And what we are focusing especially on are those who are not exposed to training um, a lot of those young women who are actually interested but don't have the exposure those who are from urban or um, rural areas that don't have the resources available to them so we have young people who really have their skills or really want to improve on their skills but they don't have access to land or they just don't have the tools required, or sometimes they don't have the finances to enhance their skills. 
So this is providing a platform. We are providing at MyDNS a platform for them to explore. You know, but, one of the challenges I think that we face is that I remember when I applied to university, I don't know how many years ago that was, 15 years ago, right? And I would have applied to the program for management and finance. And if you could not qualify for that, you were then put into the agri program, which was agri business management, which was essentially, it's the same program. It's just that the concepts was specifically applied to agribusiness. So you're learning the same financial skills, the yes. same management skills, but the examples that are used in the class were more agriculture-based. Now, what happened was that there became a stigma to people who do in agri, like as if it was something lower. Yes. Is there anything involved in your program that is trying to elevate the concept of agriculture. So that's an interesting point that you raise because I believe I would have attended university around the same time as you, Judy, because it was about 15 or so years ago. And there was a stigma attached to those who attended the university primarily to pursue agribiz management. People acted as you were getting there at the bottom of the ladder, it seems. It was easy to get into agribiz management. But what I have found, though, is that there's a shift right now, and I think it has to do with the, the, the education system coming out of secondary school as well. And I think there's, um, since we are in a globalized um, economy, you're seeing um, a shift in how the world perceives agriculture. So I don't think we really had to do a lot of the legwork when it came to shifting the perception of agriculture, young agriculturalists, because the conversation started changing. I, I believe, especially during the pandemic, where we start to see that we there's a lot of prestige or esteem attached to growing your own food. So within it, we do, we do within the program, we do speak to the students and we do highlight the importance, their importance, especially in shifting the economy, because they're not only impacting agriculture alone, the agriculture sector alone, they're impacting the GDP, they're impacting CARICOM, they're impacting, they are, they are change makers, but the shift was happening outside of our program and the conversation was changing outside of us. You know, there are different people that I encounter and there are people that I encounter who are lower income, who yeah. do, who are involved in agriculture because, I mean, that is just a, a source of income. And then there are also people who are on the wealthier side who say they want to get into agriculture because maybe they came from that background. And then, of course, there are a lot of people who are involved in agriculture. People may look at a farmer and figure a farmer don't make money and the farmer is very comfortable and very well off. So my question is, the interest in the youth agriculture program, do you find it's coming from a specific income bracket? So... Um, Judy, I want to answer, but I also want to give the other coordinators here with me some time to answer as well. We have Raquel Bissoon as well as Ms. Griffith here with me. 
Raka, I don't know if you want to take this question. Uh, Judy, if you can, can you just repeat the question for me, please? So what I was saying is that sometimes agriculture was viewed as just something for poor people who have no other option. Do you find that the applicants for the youth program are coming from any specific income bracket or is it from a wide range? Um, I think it's from a wide range, Judy. What I'd like to also say is at the Ministry of Youth Development and National Service, our particular uh, target group for persons between the age of 12 to 35 is those of a lower socioeconomic background. Um, notwithstanding that, persons from our program uh, come from several, several backgrounds. And we have students um, who I would like to see come from middle-income homes, lower-income homes, higher-income homes. Um, and it really is just about those who have an interest in agriculture. I think the issue with persons uh, venturing into this field uh, is usually because of the lack of resources and not necessarily because of your income type. Yeah, you know, I would love to... I mean, one of my goals is to really sensitize people on the reality of agriculture, which is that it, it isn't limited to one income group. It's not poor people grow food for your agriculture. It's Definitely. something that is prestigious. Agriculture involves people from many backgrounds, yes. from farmers, but from chemists to biologists, to you, you name it, veterinarians. It, it's such a wide field, but... There is such a stigma attached to it. Um, and it's just the idea of somebody barefoot in the mud, in the sun and the rain. And I would love to one day be able to bring people from different income backgrounds mm -hmm. to be involved in agriculture for a day, to see what it's like and expose them, to try to just change the concept of what it is make it sexy to people if you know what i mean <laughs> yes i agree <laughs> um and i think sometimes um the utc they are very open as well to people coming on campus and having and discussing with the lecturers um what it entails to be involved in agriculture and as you said it's 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 quite there there shouldn't be a stigma attached to it um as Raquel would have indicated we have a wide variety of people involved. We also have some vets, we have some PhD um, candidates in our program right now. They're, it's quite varied, the level of engagement. Is, you know, I mean, get, get, getting everybody involved would really benefit. And it's just to open, open their eyes. Now, we're talking about the Homestead program here, but I know you'll have some others as well. Yes. Aqua, aquaculture, I think. Yes. Hi, Jody. Good morning, everyone. Um, so, yes, I'm Carrie here. So, as would have been mentioned, the aquaculture program is for persons between the ages of 16 to 35. So, at the end of the program, they received a certificate from the University of the West Indies in Tropical Aqu Aquaculture Production and Management. And we also give them the opportunity to form cooperatives at three of our local sites, which are Bamboo Grove, Sugarcane Feed Center in Londonville, and the Waterloo 
um, aquaculture facility from YTEP. So during this time, we also provide them with business support and life skills. Um, similar to the other programs, they do receive a stipend. And while they are, we are currently in the process of providing them with um, aquaculture cooperative training, so they have been showing a lot of excitement and engagement in the process. During the program, we, we will be focusing on brackish water shrimp, conch, tilapia, and one more. Yeah, so that's about it. Um, yeah, so we're just in the process of giving them all the skills they need to start, um, create a successful aquaculture systems for large-scale production. Are there aspects of these programs that focus on pushing the idea that agriculture is a business and should be treated as such? In that, what I'm saying is that sometimes farmers may not pay themselves a salary from their business or they may not treat it as a business entity and understanding all the costs. Are there aspects of this program to help them uh, develop that skill? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, during regular tutorial and lecture sessions, we try to give them as much knowledge on from start to finish, the costing of setup, the profits, how much investment you require to reap how much profit at certain level. So we try to show them, yes, you come into this for enjoyment, but this is also a business and it can be a very lucrative business. Once you basically take the skills and the knowledge passed on to you and invest it. If I, if I could just add to the court to, to that question, Judy, intertwine into all three agricultural programs, the homestead, uh, the shade house and the aquaculture project is business advisory support we receive business advisory support from the national entrepreneurship development company as well as the cooperative development division so in training our students the aquaculture and the shade house project we intend to establish agricultural cooperatives that would be responsible for managing and marketing the operations um of both of both programs uh, that is farming in terms of farming in the fishing industry and farming using uh, shade house technology. And I believe Miss Beach, Anisha, would have mentioned previously, I'm not sure if she did because I was bumped out at that time, but the students of the homestead program would receive a two-acre parcel of land that would allow them to uh, cultivate and they would also receive uh, business support from uh, NEDCO. Um, in establishing the agricultural cooperatives, the students would need to do things like a business plan, cash flow projections, and all those sorts of things that is needed to set up uh, and, and manage a successful uh, business. So we do have um, <clears throat> business support intertwined into the delivery of these programs because it's not just about training them and um, providing the necessary skills in agriculture, but it's also about creating entrepreneurs and um, ensuring that they could then utilize the skills to earn a, a, a sustainable livelihood. You know, one of the problems that I faced in trying to develop some of the value chains locally is that for us to be able to 
hit international sales, we have to bring down some of the cost of agriculture so that we could sell things at lower prices. And being able to communicate that process of getting prices down has been met with a lot of resistance. But when we were approached certain farmers and, and say, listen, okay, things are selling in the market now for this price. Let's just say $4 per pound of a commodity. We can get a lot more sales at a dollar a pound, but we understand that it has to be profitable to you. So here's what, if we bring down your cost of production to be able to sell at $1 and still make a profit and overall, you get more volume, more sales, you get more profit at the end of the month. A lot of times it's met by resistance because some of the people that we would have worked with, they didn't understand the relationship enough of you know cost of production, final selling price, profit. So to develop certain industries further, I think this concept of working with the youth more and understanding the business side a little bit more it, it would really help the industry move further because too many times the industry is focused on absolute price of a commodity and not necessarily understanding properly the overall profit that somebody is facing. So this business side, hands down, I support that. We really, really need it. Now, I'm going to need to get a quick commercial break. When we get back, I just want to open up the phone lines for anybody who's listening to jump on and just give us their opinions and we cannot continue with the discussion. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability, the all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. It's exactly 10.30 in the nation's capital. Good morning to you. If you're just joining us on Freedom 106.5 FM, we're heading back to Jody White and his panel for Agribusiness Innovations. Good morning to you. Thank you so much. So the hotline number is 6273-223-625-2257. Jump in on the call, youth and agriculture. Maybe it's something you want to see or a question you want to ask. Let us know. So how often do we intake people into these programs? So we have, it depends. Um, each program has uh, a different number of cohorts and a different number of um, participants for the Youth Agriculture Homestead Program. Uh, by 2025, we will have five cohorts, three full-time as well as two part-time. We have a part-time cohort, in fact, that will be beginning in February of 2024. Each cohort takes 200 participants. Um, applications for the part-time cohort opens next Friday, actually, Friday 10th of of November. We also have a shade house, Raquel. Well, our intake usually follows the academic year. So we have had two intakes so far. Uh, both our applications were opened in April, May um, and closed at the end of August. Sorry, at the beginning of August. And our final, our final cohort will, will come in next year september so we have three cohorts of 100 students each year which began in 2022 how do people sign up 
<laughs> oh, um, before signing off, we just want to give the information for aquaculture as well, Carrie. Okay? Yeah. Okay, so for aquaculture, we are the newest program. Our first cohort began in September of this year. So similar to Shade House, we also follow the academic year. So our new intake will be around May, June next year in 2024. And we are taking a batch of 100 as well. People can sign up online as well as in person. What we our um, application forms are usually available when the application period is open. It's available on our website, mydns.gov.tt. And you, we also have application forms available at the ministry. We also have a youth caravan that is that usually goes around to different communities once per month. Our youth and agriculture booths usually have the, uh, the application forms available there as well. So people can collect it, get some advice, uh, probably if they have their documents as well, work with the documents, get some assistance on how you can fill it out. But all applications must be either dropped in at the ministry's head, head office at the corner of Elizabeth Street, uh, number two Elizabeth Street, uh, on sorry, or they can apply online and drop it in online. I mean, all schools have this, but I'd like to know, do you ever find students coming into the program and saying, listen, it's agriculture, it's not for me, no, I don't want no hot sun. You ever encounter that along the way? Yes. So we have encountered some level of attrition, but it is not as great sometimes it is about a one or two percent because we some of them may not um, realize how serious it is however there's a very strict vetting process um of the applications so we have cabinet appointed committees for each program who go through each um each application and within the application form you have to highlight how serious you are about agriculture sometimes you're past um, experience with agriculture there are portals that upload photos and videos of your involvement in agriculture so we get the people who are selected most times are quite serious about it and jody if i could just add we in the and permit me to boast about the shade house project we are fancier and we <laughs> we don't farm uh under the sun <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, yes, we are the Hudson Project. <laughs> yeah. Homestead uh, is open field cultivation, whereas the shade houses are under protected um, or utilizing protective measures. Um, and most of our issues in terms of attrition is more personal reasons and not necessarily because the students lack interest or realize that they are no longer interested in the field of agriculture. No. Understand. I mean, with, with all courses, I mean, I think I would have started and dropped some courses in university, you know, you try something and you realize you don't like it and it, it, you leave it. So, I mean, all schools or all, all fields you encounter that. So, I think it's just, just normal. I was just kind of curious about that. Mm. Where does the Shade House, Shade House project take place? We, the, the Shade House project, the certificate training is delivered by the University of the West Indies. So the students would undergo theoretical and practical training there. Uh, upon successful completion, they would move to Chagrin or Stocker Valley, where we would provide the necessary resources for cultivating or practicing shade house farming. Cultivating in shade houses or practicing shade house farming. Is there any 
connection between the national policies and the crops that are being taught or proposed. So for instance, if cocoa is something that the ministry is, is trying to boost, is there any focus on that? Is there anything like that that exists? Well, yes, um, that is why we have also partnered with NAMDEFCO. So they will be, um, they do train the students on good agricultural practices as well as packing house training, but they are also um, advising the students based on the market and based on what is in demand of what will be preferred to grow. So that is where they will get most of their background information. You know, so we I, are I, 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 policy. Because, you know, I did, one of the projects I was on, the remote island we were on, and we went into farms, and one of the farmers was growing onions. And so we asked them, well, why are you growing onions? He said, what do you mean? Why did you choose to grow onions? And his answer was, well, I don't know, I could grow onions, and just because I'm growing onions. It wasn't that onions were more profitable or in more demand. It's just that he was accustomed to growing onions, and that's just what he did. Yeah, so that is definitely why we have um, partnered with NAMDEFCO, because we don't want it to be a case of, take for instance, us with the app. We have, each student is allowed two acres. We don't want 50 acres of lettuce farmers when there's an abundance of lettuce per se within the economy, within the agricultural um, sector. So partnering with them would allow for um, a greater awareness of what is in demand, what is definitely needed, what will be more profitable for them as well. Right? And it wouldn't just be that they are there um, producing and there is no source for them or no market for them. Is there yet any framework that has been established to allow graduates of this to get credit should they want to pursue further agricultural information at UTT or UWE in another program that they had? Um, yes, these certificates that they are receiving, they can use it to begin degrees. Um, they can use it as a start, but we are also trying to find them other opportunities that they could pursue immediately, such as internships, possibility for persons to be able to work internationally. So during this time, um, we at the ministry are also looking to all avenues. So just because we, we are aware that not all of them would want to start for me cooperatives as much as we would like but we are also trying to provide them with a variety of options that will support their growth and development because more and more finding young people want to push technology want to come up with new things i could see one of them saying you know i like the idea of pepper but i have i have this concept of trying to grow the hottest pepper in the world and come up with a new technique and would like to say I want to go further. So, you know, yeah, definitely, if they could, some of them want to pursue something more in the future and develop their skills, it's, it's 100%, I think, the way, the way to go. The aquaculture program, how far along is it? We are currently three months, two months in. Sorry, we started in September, yes. So we're two months in. Because we really are the newest arms. 
baby of the year. This is also two years long. This is a one year long program, um, but we are in our first cohort of 100 students and we'll have another one next year. So we'll be producing a batch of 200 students at the end, hopefully once we have more attrition. Is there any, or what is the avenues? Of course, you're giving them land, which is great. Houses on site, great. Those things are needed to protect what you have. Uh, on these programs, is there any opportunity for assistance with financing once they graduate? Yes, so the, with the Youth Agricultural Homestead Program, they are receiving a grant of $20,000 from NETGO. As, as soon as they complete, we have also begun working with the Agricultural Development Bank, um, who has already come in to speak to two of our cohorts where they will um and some of them have already opened accounts where they will they are exploring options of financing especially given the fact that they are already aware that they will be receiving a twenty thousand dollar grant so they are making the students aware of options for financing and um financial support with the utilization of that grant or um otherwise and in terms of the Shade House project, we are not providing grants, financial grants. We are providing uh, the resources to assist those who would like to be members of the cooperative. So at Tucker Valley, we would have the relevant uh, facilities and amenities uh, constructed or established there for them to cultivate um, various crops. And we have also had discussions with the Agricultural Development Bank for uh, financing students who um, <clears throat> are interested in going in that direction. Um, similarly, for the aquaculture project, we are providing, a, we intend to provide a facility for them for their cooperative development at the um, Sugarcane Feed Center in Londonville. So we are providing them with things such as their recirculating systems, their land, They'll have access to all the facilities there to grow and develop their businesses. I saw some photos of some of the yeah. people were moving away from it. Yes, definitely. So yes, on the internships, they, because they have already um, completed one year of training and some of the students would have come in with some areas of interest and the training would have enhanced that area of interest. The internship now is positioning these students um, and giving them more hands-on experience and areas that they are greatly, um, that they intend to pursue in the field of agriculture. And they are positioned all over the country is, is there any any i mean i don't know what else there is but is there any other avenue because I, I mean we started with homestead we have aquaculture we have shade house is there any other aspect of agriculture another program that, that's being spoken about to add in so what we have also um another element to the homestead program is a model farm that is also going to position be positioned on the on the lands that the students are going to be placed on. So for instance, one of the first areas that the students will be placed in is Chatham. There will also be a model farm there 
and within that model farm there will be a packing house facility as well as a training facility for additional training etc outside of that we are the my dns is embarking on other model farms throughout Trinidad and Tobago, apart from the app program farms where um, communities will be um, involved in training as well as agricultural development. We have also partnered with the Trinidad Cement Limited to um, develop the Mayo Agricultural Community Project. That one is um, in the process is in process right now. They are, we are teaming up with the Ministry of Agriculture, uh, Land and Fisheries as well for that program where members of the Mayo community will be trained through the Ministry of Agriculture in agricultural, um, agricultural techniques, etc. And then the members of the community will then be allowed to pursue their agriculture pursuits within the Mayo community. Mayo? Yes. Oh, you know... Shockingly enough, I actually I'm in the process of building a small factory very near to Mayo, so that's that's quite that's quite that's quite interesting to hear. That's excellent. So they will have you will have some suppliers right in Mayo. Um, so the students are going to graduate. Some of them are going to come out in the next year. How soon after would they start to get access to the land and the amenities to start their businesses? Okay, so with regard to EAP, we um we uh, have partnered with the LSA to develop their land as well as their home. So that is in process right now. Within the next year, by 2024, the students will have access to that those amenities. Um, and it's also based on the time frame of their graduation, cohort by cohort. Uh, additionally, for Shade House, Raquel. Uh, in terms of in terms of shade house, uh, the land should be ready. Actually, some of the shade houses will be ready uh, December. So we have uh, that's basically a month away. We have shade houses available for the students. Um, the land and settlement agency is also um, responsible for the infrastructure development at uh, Shagaramus uh, Toko Valley, and um, we foresee that as time goes by, uh, the students would have access to more of the facilities we intend to have at the um at that location for aquaculture we already have access to the sugarcane feed center site and they already have recirculating systems ponds etc already at the site um so we intend to supply addi additional systems potentially by december to january so production for students could start as early as January onward, and they could begin not only their using their practical training, but they could also begin developing their monetary benefits from that point going forward. Do you find the number of applications to get to these programs every time you have out of four applications? Do you find it increasing? Yes. Yes, on average, we get... um. Ours more or less say the same. It ranges between fourteen to twelve hundred applicants, and I believe wow. it's very similar. Yes, <laughs> the demand is high, and I believe it's very similar for shade house as well as aquaculture. 
So that's why we're saying that the the stigma and the conversation surrounding agriculture is shifting society. Um, there's a societal shift that is taking place. So the young people. I think I think there are a lot of older people as well who would say, "Listen, you know, if I could up, if I could do a course for two years or whatever the period, I get land after, I get a start a home and I get a start." I think a lot of people would really jump at the opportunity because that is a huge incentive. Huge yes. incentive. Yes, it definitely is. But at the Ministry of Youth Development National, National Service, we really want to focus on the youth. I mean, too often we keep hearing that we don't give the youths a chance, etc. So we really want to um, push that we are giving through a number of our incentives, apart from these agriculture programs, we are giving the youth a chance and an opportunity to become more employable and to just have a stronger start in life. I'm not sure if you have access to this information, but do you find that you get applications from areas that are traditional crime hotspots? And my reason for asking is that I'm wondering if there are people from those areas who, who are looking into these opportunities as a way out. Yeah, so we really do get a high number of applicants from urban spaces, um, areas that um, are traditionally seen as hotspots. Um, we we have a number of um, participants as well who have found very innovative ways without any sort of formal training to um, engage in agricultural production right in their backyard, sometimes right in their apartment buildings, um, right on the outside, sometimes in very small confined spaces. So yes, they I keep saying the interest is definitely is there. Yeah, you know, and I would like to see that some of these students at some point in time are able to grow on over time, take the knowledge that they learn back into the communities and kind of help those around to, you know, develop and come up a little bit more. I think that's very, very important for them too. That transfer of knowledge is, is extremely important. Yes. So we, we keep saying that these programs are not only based on individuals. So yes, we have 200 and 100 participants within the cohorts, but it's also impacting families and communities. So it is a nationwide program because they're not only holding this information for themselves, and obviously they're not going to, um, whatever profits they are making, they're not keeping it for themselves. It is to share and it is to expand knowledge and impact or make a positive impact on those around them as well. Now, we're coming to the end of the program. Uh, can I reintroduce the nation to the programs and where they could get information on it? Definitely. All right, so to get further information, you can follow um, the ministry's social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okay, Facebook and Instagram. Um, they can also go to the ministry's website, we have a plethora of information available. You're welcome to walk in and ask questions as well. But as Ms. Beach would have mentioned, you can see us at our youth caravans across the country. And you can ask any member of staff and they'll direct you. And you can begin to look out for um, the programs that are starting I mean, February, I believe. Yes. Okay. yes. So this, this is a youth ministry. Yes, this is the Ministry of Youth Development and National Service. The, we are located right next to the Oval. So some people would say that we're located on Tragary Road. So it's uh, number two, Elizabeth Street. So 
we're right next to the Opal, it's very easy to find. Um, you also have youth centers available throughout Trinidad and Tobago where the information on these on programs are also available. And our website, mydns.gov.tt, um, you will see a plethora of information there. We have our our own, we have the MyDNS um, social media pages. We also have our own Youth in Agriculture page that is available on both Facebook and Instagram, where we provide um, a lot of updates on all three programs and what is occurring. Thank you very much for spending time with us. This brings us to the end of Agribusiness Innovation here at Freedom 106.5 FM. Tune in next week for another installment of this show. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5.